0: This is Charlotte Donlin and you're listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my first book, The Great Belonging, and my other writing and work at CharlotteDonlin.com. Anonymous survey. This person shared a soul story of loneliness saying, I never thought I would be someone who didn't have a friend to talk to about anything. I do, sort of. All my closest relationships are sort of's. Most of my relationships are with people I would go out to eat with if a group got together but they're not people I'd call upon if I'm hurting or struggling or buried in myself. I'm an introvert, but I'm healthiest when I have a few close people around. Now I have friends who live a little far away, are a little too busy, whose lives are separated from mine by work, family, or changes in beliefs. I've yet to figure out how to be an adult, still single, with a job that's boring and unfulfilling, and not feel lonesome almost all the time. This person also said that one thing that provides him or her hope is to hear about similar stories of loneliness that others have experienced. I have a few examples of loneliness to share in this episode, along with some encouragement for anyone who might be struggling with loneliness. But first, I want to explore why it helps us to know that others have struggles that are similar to our own struggles. I think knowing others have experienced struggles with loneliness that are similar to ours helps us know that there might be some empathy and compassion and relatability out there for us to receive. It also helps us know that we aren't alone in our loneliness. It takes bravery and courage for us to be vulnerable about our struggles. And while filling out anonymous surveys may not feel very vulnerable, it is. I believe it can be a step along the path that can lead to a lifelong journey that is marked by vulnerability, and it can help us relate to others with honesty and authenticity. I believe vulnerability multiplies and grows. Whenever someone shows up in an honest and authentic way, it makes it a little easier for someone else to do the same. I don't do this podcast so I can talk about anonymous survey responses that explore different angles of loneliness. Well, that's one reason I do it. But I want more. I want listeners to know they aren't alone in their loneliness, and I want listeners to take these initial steps of vulnerability, knowing that if they do, there's a better chance that they will be even more brave and more courageous and more vulnerable in their relationships with their friends and family. So many people struggle with loneliness. If we can be more vulnerable with our friends and loved ones and have conversations about our struggles with loneliness— I really believe the power loneliness has over us will weaken. Brene Brown says vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. Most people I know would love to see innovation, creativity, and change in their lives. So let's take some baby steps of vulnerability and see what happens. Let's see if there's something beautiful on the other side of our suffering. Let's see what can be born, innovated, created, and changed. Okay, now that I've encouraged everyone to be vulnerable, let's dive into some more examples of loneliness. Here's part of a response I received for this episode's anonymous survey. In a life season of change, as I approached 40, I found myself in a new town, among new people, in a new job, traveling a lot, and in a marriage which I felt disconnected from my husband and his career and his new friends. It was a very lonely time of my life. I realized I had no real close friends with whom to talk. After an argument with my husband, he apparently spoke to our new pastor during a men's weekly small group about it. The pastor asked me in a brief encounter later if I was okay. I told him no. My heart was revealed when I said to him that I felt as though God had brought me to a new place away from the people, places, and things where I had felt most comfortable to a place where I felt just alone. I volunteered further that I could only surmise that God had done this to draw me closer to himself. The the pastor affirmed that possibility and encouraged me to come talk to him when I had the time. I didn't know what to do with my feeling that God had brought me to this place of such profound aloneness. What was I supposed to do with these circumstances? How was I to engage God in this? I had no idea. None of my spiritual disciplines seemed to provide the comfort I needed for more than a little while. It would be several years and significant struggling with the feelings of disconnection and loneliness before God would begin to reveal His purpose in the many changes that I had felt had been forced upon me by circumstances beyond my control. And I have a few other examples of loneliness from a friend who does campus ministry at a university. He shared the following. I'm doing ministry in a university setting now, and I'm observing there's some connection between anxiety, performance expectation, and loneliness. I've had several conversations with students who are voicing their experience with loneliness. It's real and it's palpable. One student said he feels like everyone has their thing and seems so together that he feels left behind in the rat race to becoming his best self. He's in the field of science, and the drive to keep up and tackle the highest echelons of scientific problems means there is always someone solving an even more complex problem. Students are under immense pressure to perform and get into the next program to make something of their lives. It's crazy. That kind of pressure adds to the loneliness because they are vigilantly aware of how they compare to those around them. It's the same problem as the Facebook epidemic. No matter how satisfying your life is, you are painfully aware of how much better others around you seem to be doing. Even a friend who is a pastor shared the wave of deep loneliness that overcame him as he drove home one Sunday after getting positive feedback on a sermon. He's surrounded by people who are for him. And yet, that somehow isn't enough to stave off the darker shadow of loneliness. His quote, success as a pastor of an upwardly mobile church doesn't touch an inner ache. Loneliness is real, and our culture is especially set up to not deal with it well. Okay, I'm not in a new town or a student or a pastor, and I'm still able to relate a bit to all of the scenarios I just shared. Loneliness is so common across so many stations of life and seasons of life that we are able to hear these examples of loneliness and say, I hear you. I connect with what you're saying, even though my life is very different from yours. And while it's no fun for so many people to be struggling with loneliness, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, at least we aren't alone in our loneliness. I worked for a church several years ago. Even though I never had the official title of women's ministry coordinator or women's ministry director, I was oftentimes the default women's ministry coordinator or women's ministry director because I was a woman on staff at a church that didn't have anyone officially in that title. This was a new church plant, so there were several people coming together from different directions to form this church congregation. Most of the people at this church were relatively young. Many had been out of college for just a few years, some were newly married, some were new parents. When I talked to women about how they were doing, how they were integrating into the life of the church, most of them would mention their loneliness. And these were women who were involved in our church. They were members of the church's small groups, and they were also involved in occasional short-term Bible studies. They had opportunities to interact with other women, and they were still lonely. Each woman thought all of the other women were more connected to each other and had deeper relationships with each other. Each woman thought she was the only woman struggling with loneliness, and each woman was waiting for someone else to initiate more meaningfully towards her. When every woman in a church is waiting for another woman to initiate towards her, you end up with a church full of lonely women. A couple of years into being at this church, I had a brief exchange with a very wise theologian and seminary professor that transformed my view of the plight of loneliness among the women in our church. I asked this man what to do when we have relational longings that aren't satisfied. He looked at me and said, offer to others what you desire most. So from that day forward, whenever women in our church would talk to me about their loneliness and isolation, I would encourage them to make the first move. I told them to initiate towards another woman instead of waiting for someone else to initiate towards them. I told them to make space to listen to other women. I told them to give others what they desired most. I don't say this to guilt anyone into taking a particular action, and I don't say this as a one-size-fits-all solution to the loneliness people are struggling with. But I do think the idea of offering others what we desire most is one we can consider it's an idea we can be curious about. What are the things you desire the most? What things would make you feel less lonely? What would help you feel known? What if we gave some attention to those questions, formed our answers, and let those answers guide us in how we relate to and interact with other people? What do we have to lose? Maybe we should try it and see what happens. Maybe we should offer our vulnerability and bravery and courage to others and see what happens. Maybe we should share our stories of loneliness with others and see what happens. I was telling a friend about what I wanted to explore in this podcast episode, and she told me it reminded her of the poem Wild Geese by Mary Oliver. I'll link to the poem in the show notes for this episode. Please go read it and then join me in responding to Mary Oliver's invitation. Let's tell each other about our despair. If we do so, I bet we find others who can relate to us and empathize with us. And then we'll see we are exactly where we are supposed to be in what Oliver calls our place in the family of things. And then- Thanks for listening to Hope for the Lonely. Learn more about my writing and work at charlottedonlin.com.